know when you know. <laughs> yes, you will know. Anyway, guys, welcome to episode 188 of Big Trouble in a Little Podcast. We are going to be doing GoldenEye, P Pierce Brosnan uh, era of Bond movies. Uh, I'm Joe Dubs. Andy. I'm Zach. And we have a new person here. Um, I'm going to let himself introduce himself. Yeah, uh, I'm Chaz. Happy to be here today. <laughs> Welcome to that, Zach. Excuse that as my alias. My 10 other names that I may go by, but we'll, we'll stick with, with Chaz for now. The other names will come. Okay, I'm going to have to change the nameplate because I put you as Chucky. So I'll. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll be Chucky's fine. I'm not sure that Chaz. That's not his real name. His real name is, is Chaz Finster. Chaz Finster? Finster, not. And hell with that. I don't know about that. I don't Char know if I can say Chaz. I don't, Charlie. Charles. I'm Chimichanga. Gonna, yeah. All of those. They all work. I'm I'm yeah, gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this a lame for you like we're in uh first day of school. So tell me about yourself. Just a short Oh, oh great. Oh well I mean I don't know what there is to say other than I mean I I'm I'm a big dork. Uh I mean I I work hard, play hard. And pretty much everything I do I try to go way overboard with what I do as as Zach and Andy could fill in for you. Sometimes more to an entertaining degree. Others probably a little annoying, but I'll try to keep that side of it uh, on the sidelines for for the podcast. But uh, definitely a big wrestling fan. As I told you before, I'm uh, I'm here actually paid by by Tony Khan himself to come and, and invade the the podcasts uh, and, and convert everyone. So I'm gonna make believers out of all of you. <laughs> that's, that's my goal. We're we're gonna have to, uh, I we have to do an impersonation of Tony Khan on how he talks on a microphone. If you watch his ROH, uh, intro, uh, introducing that he bought it, listen to every time he breathes before he speaks and yells into the the microphone. He's like, I bought ROH, <laughs> and I'm like, you can't see like the full frame of Dubs either because if you would, you'd be standing there stomping his feet. Every time he yells, yeah. <laughs> it's adorable. Honestly, it is. All you need to do is look up nine days. Just type, type Google Tony Khan nine days. Watch that. You'll laugh yourself to death. We need the, the little bit where it goes nine days, nine days. It, it's, it's great. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. It's the old thing with him and uh, forcing Kenny Omega to take on Matt Seidel. It's pretty great. Mm. Uh, it's legendary stuff. But you're a gamer too, so you like gaming. So you're gonna see a lot of. I'm gonna call you Chaz now. I'm gonna be uh, kayfabing it right now. Uh, Chaz sure. uh, is gonna be joining me and Zach on getting some color on some episodes, and he's always welcome to be on the Nemesis Project if he likes Resident Evil. So, um, oh, yeah. we have a thing before we get into the actual movie, which we'll be talking about. Goldeneye. Uh, I usually go into a segment called what, you, "What the hell you guys been playing, watching, or doing?" I'll go first before I forget it. Um, so I watched episode one of uh, see, episode one of season two of Picard, and it's actually interesting. Um, I liked the first season. I thought it was okay. It's not like the other Star Trek. It's not like Next Generation. It does the nostalgia thing, but then it changes. Q's how in the, it, right? Yeah, Q's in it, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg's character. I forgot the name. It starts with a G, I think. Gaia, Gaiden, uh, yeah, yeah, Gaiden, Gaiden, Gaiden. That's it. 
I got there. I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a good first, uh, first episode. I recommend it. Um, also, I played WWE 2K22 because I got the NWO for Life Edition. Um, and Andy and Zach watched me play it last night. Um, my faction is interesting. That was the longest match I have ever done in a wrestling game ever, 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 ever. That game was weird watching it because you like opened a pack of cards or something and you got the Undertaker and also the Undertaker and then you got the Undertaker. And I was like, what is going on? Because I kept looking away because I was playing stuff on my Switch and I'd look up and Finn Balor was fighting himself. And I was like, what is this game? He's getting the Undertaker and all of his gimmicks. I guess. It's okay, like so Underbaker it... or Underbaker. Underbiker, <laughs> Underbaker. <laughs> Undertaker. Understaker. Yeah. Yeah. Phantom Under Quaker. I need an Underquaker. Just <laughs> Amish, Amish Taker. Yeah. We'll That's like, the because he's old yeah. enough now, he can wear like the little wig. Cyberpunk Jedi taker. Rest in peace. It'd be pretty great. Cyberpunk. Probably really fuck that eye roll up, but oh well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyway, um, it it was fun. Um, the controls feel like a fighting game because you're doing like combos and shit and like dodging and uh, I don't know. It doesn't feel clunky like 19 or 20. It actually feels good uh i played my gm um the fans were brutal uh <laughs> like in real life yeah <laughs> so it's a true gm simulator yeah. <laughs> they hate everything is there, is there a button to sweet sweeten the audio when they boo you hit a button and it like adds a bunch of cheers over the over the taping oh like there should be, there should be like kevin kept the kevin dunn button or just like all oh, the camera angles yeah that'd be great which is so, a serious question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you go. You go. I was going to ask a serious question on, on the GM mode. Is there actually like in between where you get like social media feed at, in between, like where they like hate on you and yeah and stuff? Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That, that's actually great. Uh, Cause that's like the, like the best part anyway, all the hate and stuff that happens in between the like shows. That's, that's let's, let's put it this way. Somehow I got, uh, Brian Kendrick, to get into a feud with Roman Reigns, and people on on social media is like, this is a weird freaking rivalry. Like <laughs> Brian Kendrick is small compared to Roman Reigns. I don't know if this will work. And then you have like Triple H being like, "Hey man, I want a TLC match on a freaking gymnastics uh, uh, arena or like a gym and stuff." And I'm like. Why? I mean, I know it's a gym and that's what indie people like is fucking spot fest, but why would I want to put people through pain? See, if you were playing Stephanie McMahon, you could just tell him no, shut up, get on the couch, and you would just ignore him. Yeah. You know? Then no. you could just overrule him. No sex for you, Triple H. Mm. But overall, I had fun with that. Uh, I finished Horizon Zero Dawn uh, over the weekend. Um, I gotta admit, I love the gameplay, the story is just it, it's not sticking with me you finished it really fast it seems like is it not long uh i kind of bum rushed uh, a little bit of the story but i did some of the side stories but even the side stories i was like there's a there's a person like oh my brother's in the wild with all these robo dinosaurs can you go save them and i'm like i guess and i go save them and i'm like this is dumb i'm just gonna do the main story and then like the, the the final act, you're kind of like, oh, that's an interesting story. I kind of wish, you know, 
there was more to it than what we're getting right now. And I was like, I, the end battle scene that happens was epic. But then I was like, I really don't care for any of these characters at all. And I was done. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So I'm going to be doing a review for that um, soon. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I watch. Oh, I watched Falling Down Again uh, with Michael Douglas. And that's a great movie. So um, we're going to move it along here. So, Andy, what the hell have you been playing, watching, and doing? I'm still working my way through Peaky Blinders uh, episode season five tonight uh show's still good still enjoying it i watched johnny mnemonic that movie's bizarre as hell i love it to death it's fun uh, let's see uh playing some more gears three just a little bit um one night i meant to play dark souls but i put it in and the switch was like oh i'm gonna update something i said fine i'll play super mario brothers while i wait but i was drinking so i played super mario brothers and then i played uh, Zelda 2, I played Fire and Ice, I played Pac-Man, I played Pac-Man Championship Edition, D-Make, I played Dig Dug, Tank Force, uh, Sonic 2, I, I, don't know, I played like a billion a billion retro games, just one after another after another. And, uh, every game but Dark Souls? Yeah, every game but Dark Souls, pretty much. It finished updating in like 10 minutes, and I just never, I just never got back uh, to it. I was having too much fun playing everything else. Um, Fire and Ice is on the Nintendo, the Switch Online stuff. They have all the Nintendo games. Fire and Ice is on there. That game was super fun. It is so cool. Like I, I keep writing off NES games because I, I keep thinking, oh, I've heard of all the good NES games. I'll just play Contra, Castlevania, and Mario, and I just won't, won't horse around with the other stuff anymore. But Fire and Ice is super fun. It's like a puzzle platformer. I love it to death. Mm -hmm. And um, in the... Uh, namco museum collection i played tank patrol and it really is just like kind of like a pac-man maze style thing where you're a little tank and it's fun it's super addicting but i'm about halfway through it and it gets really hard you know they wanted all your quarters and stuff but whatever those two games i recommend in particular they've both been really good um and i watched all of season four of cobra kai finally a little behind the times on that one but i finally got around there's a it. season four I'm still in season two. Well, get to work. God yeah. Damn. I but really it, need to watch the show. I'm still, I still haven't even started it. It's on my list. It's oh, good. It's, it's really good. But Andy. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's easier to watch because it's not hour long episodes like every other popular show. That's that's mm -hmm. part of what I like so much about it. Anything else? I think that was it. Did I say Gears 3? I played a little Gears 3. Yeah, you said that. So Yeah, that, that's it then. I mean, watching all of Cobra Kai is what took up a big part of my time. Gotcha. Zach, what about you? Um, I watched uh, Spider-Man 3, capping off the Tobey Maguire Sam Raimi trilogy. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm leaving. Bye, guys. <laughs> okay, I'll be right back. I can still was, hear you all. It was, uh, it wasn't as bad as I remember or people making it out to be it's still like a flawed movie but it's it's still pretty good there's still some good stuff in there but he dances in it it's so cringe <laughs> no that's fucking funny honestly it's one of the most entertaining parts of that movie is when he becomes a huge asshole <laughs> it, it, I, I will say now watching it and like like now after like the 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 gloom and doom of all oh, you ruined venom all that watching him become edgy like even dorkier than he realizes but just an asshole is is kind of great 
It's it's hilarious. It's like it's one of the funniest things I've seen like on film. <laughs> it almost yeah. feels like if, if they didn't take it so seriously, it could be a scene out of the office. <laughs> yeah, it could. It's so with uncomfortable. More, <laughs> yeah. With more special effects. Um then I watched the Amazing Spider-Man one and two movies. Both are good. I, I liked the first one a lot before. Uh people seem a little more mixed on those, but I liked them pretty well. And then I saw the Batman in the theater. How is it? Mm. It was good. Um, it tried some different stuff uh, than what others did, but it still, in my opinion, they still took cues from like uh, Christopher Nolan kind of stuff, like in terms of like the the tone, like what they're going for. This is more like they did seven with super realistic Batman kind of a thing, um, and I would describe this more like a dark detective drama rather than like a superhero movie. So has did it have a noir feeling to it? It sort of does, yeah, a little bit. I would say that 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 element's definitely there. Because um, I know they were trying to like push the movie like this is a noir movie, but like the trailer was just straight up action and like punching and and explosions and. And shooting, I'm like, yeah, that's. They not said much. it was going to be a noir yeah. style movie. Yeah, mm, I don't know. It, it is, and at times, and then there's a burst of of action of somebody getting their face caved in or something. Uh, there's less action in this movie than what you'd think. Uh, I think to its detriment a little bit because it's a three hour long movie. <sighs> oh, oh goodness, and that's that's long. Yeah, like the the length is a little bit of an issue, uh, and it has. It does this thing where sometimes you know how people write the ending of a movie and it has multiple endings in it. Yeah, it's like they didn't intend for that to happen. That, that kind of a thing happens too. They do it's a like Return this, of the King. Yeah, yeah, they do a Return of the King, even though it's not like the last. The, you know, capping the whole thing off. They don't earn it. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, it was, it was still good though. I recommend seeing it if you want to maybe try something a little different. Uh, I want to see it. I think it looks cool. I think the new Batmobile looks pretty rad. But the new Batmobile is fucking cool because it looks like Bruce Wayne just bought a new Dodge Challenger and like modified the fuck out of it and put a jet turbine engine in it. <laughs> That's what I would like to do. <laughs> um, then I played Forza some more uh, sporadically. Um, and I'm still sort of chipping away at Resident Evil Revelations 2. Um, I'm going to be playing WWE 2K22 on Friday. I have to wait till Friday because I'm a fucking peasant. I forgot to pre-order well, I don't want to pre-order that fucking special edition anyway, because I was still not sure if I'd like the game, you know, before that, before I figured that out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not easy. Work. I'm not. I'm not too hard to convince, but Dubs might have me sold on trying it for the sole fact that it's not the clunky feel anymore. The fact that you said it was more like a fighter is it's not. I'm it's not fighting anymore, games. right? It's some other losers. I'm gonna warn you that my faction thing is gonna be like crack cocaine for you because it's like a, a weird dumbass trading card game thing where you have wrestling Man. matches. It's you're you're no, done. I'm already doing the highest tier of of cardboard crack, digital or otherwise. <laughs> so there's no way I'm gonna get addicted to that. Like I, it, it's kind of like how like why why would you take the time to break up sweet tarts and snort them when you actually have heroin to inject? Like I, we're fine. That's, I'm okay with that. <laughs> You'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, see. I'll, I'll cover what I'm talking about in just a moment. So I'm going to talk about my relapse here. So it, it, people didn't realize this is not an introduction. This is actually an intervention. First <laughs> episode. 
It feels like a WWE promo or just a wrestling promo in general. Um, but Zach, anything else? No, that's it. All right, Chaz, what have you been playing, watching, or doing? So, uh, I guess starting right off of what we were just talking about. Uh, so, I, I have recently delved back into the world of Magic the Gathering. Um, so, recently uh, purchased a lot of cards from from a generous man that I know, uh, and that, that led to a rabbit hole. Uh, I but, sold a bunch of cards recently. That's a weird coincidence. That is. It's really odd how that works out. Uh, yeah, I heard you ripped that guy off. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I have, uh, I'm still waiting on a few cards, but, uh, I, so for those, I guess that are familiar, you know, there's several different forms of, of, uh, formats to play in Magic the Gathering. Um, the one that's actually the most popular now, mostly because of the pandemic shut down any form of competitive magic is, uh, it's called Commander. It's basically this massive, you build this massive 100 card deck. You can only use one card, uh, uh, in your list, so you can't use multiple copies of the same card, and you actually pick a legendary card to be your commander, and you have to build within the color wheel of that card. Um, the, to keep it simple, I, I wanted to have multiple of those so that if we have four people to play at once, I had all the decks. So I've I've gradually put those together. Um, I may or may not have started to buy some of the more expensive things like the dual lands uh, from the original sets, which run anywhere from if you find them in good condition, six hundred to a thousand dollars. So each, so yeah, those are. That's where I'm at. Uh, fun times, but uh, fuck it's... your life, Bing Bong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. But anyway, that's that's the biggest thing I've been doing, and and basically while putting like the decks together, sleeving them, everything I've been binge watching uh, through probably like my fourth run through of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I love that I show. Never get enough of that show. Frank Reynolds is my spirit animal. <laughs> I love that man. Uh, but uh, aside from that, uh, just prior to that, I'd been I'd watched a ton of uh, of um, My Hero Academia, which I know seems a little, a little odd. I'm, I delve a little bit into some different animes. But that was one someone recommended, and I thought, well, let's. It seems like it's a little immature, but I, I'll say, like, it actually had a decent amount of heart. It was enough to keep me in, interested in it, but. Again, it's it's certainly not anything that's like mind blowing, but it's one of those things I can have kind of on while I'm doing something else. But uh, but any anywho, uh, the biggest thing I've been doing is Elden Ring. I'm, I think I'm, I just checked before I got on. I'm like 30 hours in, and I have no idea how close I am to even being like relatively done. Uh, I feel like I haven't, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about having beat it yet. Like there's a few, but they're all like weirdos. I think most mm-hmm. people are still just like wrapped up in playing the game for the first time, which is exciting. It's good that it's taken people a while. Well, I nearly pissed my pants the other night, which is always a good sign. I use that as a good tell if I like a game. It makes me think of the nostalgia of like playing like Resident Evil two and three as a kid when like the lights are out and like something jumps out and gets you. Uh, I like randomly found a, a cave dungeon that I was in and these massive ants. I mean, like they're like probably ten like eight to ten times the size of your character just massive ants like in this really dark uh so cave or just them. falling out all oh, there yeah horrifying they just come out of out of nowhere uh and that was a fun thing to just terrify me and i was like very itchy the rest of the night i had to take benadryl <laughs> that was great uh but yeah it's it's been a blast though i mean the hype is every bit uh maintained like it's it's a great game i mean again it's not perfect by any means but it's it's a it's a fantastic game it's 
I, I, I have Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3. I wasn't going to buy this game, but I bought the game. I haven't done it yet because I, I have so much games. I keep on telling myself this, and I have a problem. I'm addicted to buying games when I shouldn't buy games. I should play the games first before buying the games. And mm-hmm. because of the hype, I was like, all right, the FOMO kicked in. I was like, I got to have it now. Mm-hmm. And I bought it. So it's it, it's already installed. I'm going to probably like play it. Uh, my friend's already near the end game, but he's like, I have so much other shit I want to explore. So mm-hmm. it's... I the. The weird comparison I've got, it's like Dark Souls meets uh Oblivion. That's that's a great comparison. Yeah. I I will say I, I think that as far as any Souls like game goes, because so many people are afraid a lot of ma- this has got a lot of mainstream attention, and I know a lot of people that are a little more casual in their gaming experiences, never touched a Souls like game and have gotten this and said, No, this is really hard. This game is by far the most accessible of those games. Just I, one feature I can name alone without spoiling anything. I didn't even know I had this feature until like 10 hours in because I just assumed that I would have to find something to otherwise accommodate. But your mini-map, you can fast travel immediately upon the start of the game to anything. And you can do it live or anywhere as long as you're not actively in combat. The, f- the fact that you don't need a consumable item to do it, it and you can actually go anywhere and it's not restricted is huge because none of the other dark souls games did that until you were much later into the game and i I think that like that's just one of many features that show how much easier the game is to play and it makes it balanced enough that it's not difficult for difficult sake i think it's what a lot of people worry about um so i think it's if anyone's going to play their very first dark souls game this is probably the best one and it'll probably still even for the, the more hardcore fans it'll probably stand out to be one of the best ones um Again, I have to. I want to get through everything first and see. Dark Souls, like the original Dark Souls, still holds up to me as my favorite. But um, we'll, we'll see how this one comes out. All right. Is there anything else that you want to say that you did or watch or played? Uh, well, uh, we watched. Uh, I watched AEW Revolution over the weekend too. Which, of course, we're going to get to that one at another time. So I won't touch that. But uh, overall, thumbs up. Thanks for the the check. Uh, Tony, other than that, we're, yeah, it was great. Okay. You Dave Meltzer. <laughs> that was a 20 star match. Anyway, uh, it wasn't in Tokyo. Maybe 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so usually I do this. This is my shtick. Uh, Andy's a big Bond fan. So I usually uh, say, Andy, you're the Bond expert. Take us away. So, Andy, take us away for GoldenEye. Right. Uh, after Timothy Dalton's second outing as Bond, a lot of stuff got wrapped up in development hell. They were going to make a third movie, and it was going to be, I'm trying to remember, um, it was supposed to open with like a terrorist attack on some nuclear facility in Scotland or something like that. And it was going to involve Bond doing some stuff with some terrorists or something. I, I don't know. The, the, the script never actually got made into a movie they already knew that they wanted to make a script out of uh new material because this is a golden eyes in fact the first bond movie that didn't use any elements from ian fleming's books i mean obviously it uses characters but that's it and the name is actually taken from the name of his jamaican estate which is kind of interesting and apparently his estate was in fact itself named after 
uh, he he worked for the the British uh, uh, Secret Service, the OSS, and and uh, the the British State Department during the Second World War. And the the plan that the British had to react if the Nazis invaded Spain was called Operation Goldeneye. So I guess it's kind of from that. Oh, just a weird weird little side factoid. But anyway, they were trying to make a Bond movie. It got all wrapped up, and Albert Broccoli at this point in his life was kind of sick. He wasn't doing great. So when they were working on it and then Goldeneye, he kind of had to take a back seat. That's why his daughter, Barbara Broccoli, takes over from here going forward. And um, they shopped around a bunch of scripts and stuff. And it just took so long that Dalton's uh, contract expired, but he was still interested in playing James Bond. So they came to him with the first draft of Goldeneye, and they said, hey, do you want to play Bond? He said, yeah, this script sounds really good. I want to be Bond, because they wrote it for him. That's why this script is like kind of darker, because they wanted it to match that darker, woman-slappier tone of Dalton's Bond. So uh, they said, we want you to do this, but we want you to sign a new contract for four or five movies. And he said, no, I can't do that. I just want to do one. So they couldn't come to a conclusion and they finally got Brosnan to do this role. And I guess that, that brings us up to the start of the movie. It's got, um, who did the theme to this one? Tina Turner or something? Yeah. Tina Turner and, uh, Bono. Oh yeah. Bono. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But, uh, it's 1995. Five. So it took, it took them like six years to get this movie made. This yeah. is the first Bond movie that didn't have any Ian Fleming story elements. It's the first movie that had Pierce Brosnan in it. And everyone's expectations were super low because you know, Remington Steele is going to be James Bond. They're not basing it off any of the books. Albert Broccoli is basically on his deathbed. He died seven months after this movie hit theaters, in fact. Like, there's no way this movie's going to be any good. And then it came out and everyone was like, oh, this movie's pretty good. <laughs> um. I, I don't know. I don't know where to start. I mean, well, well, let's let's talk about the new people, right? So we have a female M who's played by Judy Dench. Judy uh, Dench, fantastic, amazing. Oh, she's the best. I, oh man, she she puts more of a character than M because remember M in the other movies, he was kind of like, oh, Bond, you're supposed to be on the mission, um, stop banging women, but you're gonna do it anyway. Um, but I think there was one. Um, movie I forgot what movie it was I think it was a Dalton movie uh, where M got mad and like tried to like fire James Bond and stuff so like that was like close enough of a characterizing of M but Judy Dench does an amazing job uh, as M and I really loved her in this movie uh, also uh, I really like that she's like do you want a drink and he says your predecessor kept a bottle of what do you say cognac in the top yeah. drawer, she says, "No, I prefer bourbon." It's like it's good. This is good. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> what about you guys, uh, Chaz and Zach? What do you guys think about M? Chaz, what do you think about M? Oh, okay. I was gonna let you you go first. Me and the the gentleman. So I actually think, in terms of her character, for as little screen time as she actually has in the movie, she has more emotion in her character than pretty much anyone else that goes on screen. I also think it actually goes very well to show how much she contrasts Bond. I feel like Pierce Brosnan's Bond is 
I, th- I don't know if I would say it's a detriment, but his his bond is just so relaxed and cavalier. He's just so damn cool. But at the same time, it's it's almost like he's just a little too relaxed. And then they even hit like on these brief these brief windows talking throughout the movie where maybe it's not that he's actually calm and collected. It's actually that he's just so numb to everything because he is that soldier of fortune. Like that just, it, you know, it is his life and he's just become that way. So it's almost like, is there some type of underlying trauma there that makes him kind of detached like that? But he's just so like uh, cavalier about everything. And she's like, get your shit together. Like, no, you're not just going to walk over this and be a chauvinist. I, I, I really like, I really like the contrast and, and how she just shut him down right away. And uh, they're, they're seeing there in that exchange. Um, I think it was like within what the first 30 minutes hour to the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah so I, I thought that was really great. Uh, it almost hated that there wasn't more of her in the movie, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely thought as in that was, that was really good. Yeah. She was, she was like, you know, I don't care if I send people to die. I was like, holy fucking shit, dude. <laughs> I was like, God damn that. I was like, she's amazing. Like how she delivered that line. I really like the guys like being a bitch. And he's like, Oh, only if the queen of numbers, will let you do it. And boss <laughs> like makes a face. And he goes, Oh fuck. She's behind me. Isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? What were you saying? He's like, if I want sarcasm, I'd talk to my children. And he's just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, what she, about you? She's so good that in in a movie we will watch in the coming month, they give her a lot more to do. Almost, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll keep my opinion to myself, but she gets a lot more to do in an, in a coming movie. But anyway, for now, she just turns up and she's cool, and we all like her. Zach, uh, did you have anything you want to bring up, or did we, you know, say everything? No, I think you guys pretty much covered it. I, I like her a lot too. I, I like how she's different in. Like you're a Cold War relic, and I don't like you. And and yeah, she does say that line. Like I'm not afraid to anybody die, and I know you want to go out and die, but I'm not just going to send you, knowing you'll get killed. And then she's like, "Hey, come back alive." So it's like you know, you're kind of gruff. They have kind of a gruff relationship, but there, there's a little respect there, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna do a negative here because I don't like the new Money Penny. I I dislike her. Um, I I thought the other ones. Uh, were better because even though like she had a soft spot and kind of like loved James Bond in a way, this one she was like very feminist a little bit, like too feminist. She's like the nineties bitch. Yeah, and nineties update, brother. Yeah, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't like this money. He penny. like kind of hits on her a tiny bit, and she's like, well, guess what? I'm not, I'm not even into you anymore. Fuck off. I was on a date. Yeah, yeah she's like, yeah, that ship has fucking sailed, man. <laughs> she. She she sticks around for a while, and I think she kind of does a better job as Money Penny later. But in this, I, she she's only in the one scene, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. only one I scene. Think. So, eh, whatever. At least at least Desmond Lewin's still there as Q. Yes, of course. And oh man, the comedy to the, the like any scene he's involved in was great. Just like really like very dry, just silly stuff happening in the background during his scenes uh one of my favorite really jokes in, in the entire bond franchise is like they're screwing around and the guy goes in the phone booth and it, it like blows up and they use the pen to blow up the dummy and stuff and bond's always touching stuff and he's like oh you know grow up 007 he grabs that sandwich he goes don't touch that that's my lunch <laughs> <laughs> and then the oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest like q 
cue sequences, you know, where he shows them all the stuff. That's probably the funniest one I've seen so far is, is this mm. one. Did you did you guys feel that like this cue actually liked Pierce Bronson's uh, James Bond? Because all the other cue scenes that I in the other movies, he kind of seemed like annoyed at James Bond all the time because he's always breaking the stuff. This one, is I think like, he's still a little annoyed, but. Yeah. He's still slightly annoyed, but he's gotten into his his. He's like a kindly grandpa now, mm. you know. Like, oh, you scamp, you you little scamp, don't break <laughs> my things. Um, yeah. What what else did I want to bring up? You already brought the cue. Um, is this the first time, like, in James Bond, where we actually see like another double O, because Sean Bean's character double O six? Um, in in Man with the Golden Gun, you very briefly see a double O agent before he's murdered. Yeah. Um, and there's one of them that the one that starts at a funeral. I think there's another double agent there. I think there's another like one. There's, there's another one somewhere. A couple of them appear in the Sean Connery movies, I think. Like, yeah, that that one there. And then I, I want this is the first time one is like chief to the plot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Sean Demain's character is. is I is amazing, but we'll get into that as far as the story. What did everybody think about like the beginning, um, with the whole uh, the the race between uh, on top of and James Bond? What do you guys think of that? that it's not the beginning. The beginning is the dam when yeah. he goes. In the dam, oh yeah, the dam. Just... Sorry, um, I usually get I mean, that. The race is right after. I do want to share. It is a full disclosure, which I, I told uh, Zach and. Uh, dubs at the beginning so i initially when i was watching this movie first when it hit me i didn't remember i was like i don't think i've seen this before so that was kind of hitting me i'm watching this for the first time and then slowly as watching i was like oh i remember scenes now okay i have seen this it's just been a long time but one of the first reactions i had was oh sean bean is in this movie and i'm watching it and then his character you know uh seemingly dies and i'm like oh okay classic sean bean he dies it's shot so in the face. that's exactly the first like my first take was oh sean bean's in this i was like oh yeah this is pre game of game of thrones it seems like every everything he's been cast in after game of thrones now because it's become that running joke it's almost now like imperative to whatever story he's in that he now stays alive so i just thought that was funny when i first saw it that was immediately my thought is like, oh it's that trope again but then it actually turns out later you know there's more to it which was great it actually caught me off guard but I, again i started to remember oh okay he's actually the villain okay um but yeah that was my my initial take and then of course i i like the, the the scene of uh of the driving i mean I, I, anything where you have like that winding like downhill it's like several s turns and stuff i think anyway just it's always it always makes for a good action sequence um I didn't, I didn't like as much the, the kind of contrast where they were trying to play off of, uh, uh, the uh, the female there with him, uh, that's in the car that's just like, oh no, please don't drive this way, and I, I mean, I think it was more just like that hammy, like, oh, I'm in, I'm the damsel, please don't drive like this while I'm in the car with you, but I don't know, I could have went for a little less of that, but the actual drive, <laughs> driving sequence was good. The dam always reminds me of the game, um. Yeah. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's my first thought every time because it even has that Absolutely. like I don't know how to describe that sound effect, but it's in both the game and the movie's soundtracks. Uh, it sounds like um, yeah, it's like metal or something. Yeah, yeah. and it's like it's got a lot. It's got a lot of, of reverberation on it. I don't know what that is, but 
I, for the rest of my life, if I ever hear that sound anywhere else, I'm just going to immediately think of Goldeneye that, with the game. That is, that is the sound of the ghost of the Soviet Union. That That's the sound that it makes. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. Anything that has the Soviet Union in it or Russia, you hear that. It's always in the soundtrack or whatever. Yeah. I mean, time timing wise, yeah, it fits. Right, Doves. Yeah. What I was going to say is like the, the sound. I. I guess I'm biased because of the video game because now I kind of just mark out every time I hear that metal sound and then and I'm like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. But then I watch like some reviews and they're just like, this is the worst soundtrack ever. And I'm like, yeah, soundtrack to this movie is great. I mean, I admit one of the one of the things if I could say something bad about it, it would be that the whole soundtrack has two tones. One of them is like dark, spooky and serious. And the other one is like bizarre mid nineties techno movie shit. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it's got it's got two gears, and you know, whichever one it does, it's all the way. Because <laughs> some of the some of the soundtrack is like really moody and really good and really interesting. And then sometimes there's like a car chase, and it's like it it sounds like I, I don't know, uh like like Wham and Alan Parsons formed a a, a super group or something. Jesus it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird mix. <laughs> um, <laughs> But Chaz, what were you about to say before I really, really interrupted you? Oh no, I, I was I was strictly just saying that I, I agreed with the, the the point they were making, like the, for the timing in that year, it made sense with the Soviet Union, like the reference that Zach was making. I, I was literally it. I was just playing off of that. So back to what I was saying at the beginning too is when they first started another script, the Soviet Union had not yet fallen, but when the Iron Curtain came down, they started rewriting the plot to what we get in GoldenEye, which is more about the, you know, the fallen Soviet Union, all these, these, uh, these officers who don't have the same thing to do anymore. And there's several jokes and several references made by several different characters. Oh, free market. This is going to kill me. Oh, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, Boris, uh, I, the, my one of my favorite part of like uh, w- when we get to the the satellite area for the like uh, GoldenEye, uh, and that's the plot of the movie. Like this, there's this like secret weapon GoldenEye where apparently like it shoots an EMP and like knocks out like electricity or whatever. I guess they're trying to do like the whole Soviet has nukes and to get like the upper hand to like EMP blast uh, a you know a country or whatever so that you can have like nuclear advantage, uh, but. I always loved the interaction between Boris and Natalia. Uh, <laughs> he's like, what's my password? It's like right in front of you. It's on a door. Knackers. Use it to open very large doors. Yeah. And then like the, the little computer generated cartoon lady, her, her boobs grow bigger. after. <laughs> mm-hmm. You only see it for a split second. I'm like, oh, okay. I see you. <laughs> and it, I, I love his catchphrase because here's the thing. I played the game before I seen the movie. So, like, people used to make references to me who people who watch the movie were like, I'm invincible. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Now, and when I watch the movies, I'm like, oh, that's where they're getting it from. Because he said it like twice. Uh, and the second time he said it was funny as fuck because it's his little chintzy hacker, 90s hacker thing. He looks yeah. like a 90s. Well, he's the like dialogue 90s. they write for him is bizarre, though. Like, I love I'm invincible, but the other stuff, like, he calls people like slugheads. And I can't remember what else he's talking about, but it's like, what? What are you saying? He's a Russian he does guy. Say some weird stuff. His I insults, mean, the choice of insults, weird. I agree. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, but that I, I will say now, seeing that and seeing I am invincible after that, like the freeze frame after, not pun not intended, but uh, it, it's it's almost meme worthy now seeing that with him like like with his arms up, uh, like that's that's pretty great. Um, something I uh, I go back on just a little bit if it's all right. Uh, I'm just curious. I I I've, I had a a weird like interest in when you brought up how the the soundtrack is kind of hated on for this movie. I wanted to go back and see what other things in that that year like we you know basically like what were the academy award stuff for just to see if it, it fit with anything and uh again yeah it, it definitely got snubbed like it wasn't like anything there but i was surprised by what it got snubbed by that, that year so what, what is it um so uh the winner for academy award that year for original score 95 was the lion king uh, okay. I mean, well, come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very, very clear. Right. Right. So, like that, we're, we all agree. Like that's very understandable, very clear cut. But mm. the the original, like the nominees, were interesting. So uh, the ones that followed behind were Forrest Gump, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Interview with a Vampire. Mm. And Little Women. For, after Forrest Gump, it's like no. Yeah, <laughs> all the other ones I don't remember. The, like Shawshank Redemption's a wonderful movie, but I don't remember the soundtrack to that movie at all. Not the score, really. the score to that movie's pretty good, but I, I again, I agree with you. It's nothing memorable. It's more just like I remember there being like a good score behind the drama happening, but I don't remember anything that stood stood out. So, and then everything else after that is like what? Huh? Um. So I, yeah, so just just to know that. Uh, the GoldenEye soundtrack was snubbed out by Little Women, which I I don't even know if I could recall a single iota of music from that movie. The, the Academy was never going to give any kind of an acknowledgement to a James Bond movie. Like, yeah. James Bond movies, you know, because of the nature of their... Like, they're not serialized, but they might as well be serialized. They were kind of mm-hmm. like the, the whipping boy before comic book movies came along it's just like mm-hmm. oh this is just stupid action bullshit there's no like, there's no arts to these and you know they're they're, they're commercial nonsense but eh, sometimes there's a little bit of poignancy to a james bond movie not it's a like lot sci-fi horror movies it, yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um another thing to bring up natalia uh what'd you think of her as a bond girl um she's very different she seems like not very ditzy than some of the james bond girls that were in the past seems like she has like a like a heart in a way like why you gotta kill so many people and like bond is like because i'm cold and i have to and all that stuff she's she's great because uh for the she's only the second bond girl i can remember that has something to do and it actually feels important in the movie Mm. like they're always like oh i'm a geologist so i have to come along and it's like well no you fucking don't that's stupid like all all the bond all the women they're always like dumb the only one i can think of is pussy galore like she actually okay well a pilot that's actually pretty useful she's the one who like gets the information to the united states so that Mm -hmm. that's the one that i can think of that actually is kind of important and i guess uh from russia with love like she's she's kind of the MacGuffin the woman is in that movie but this is the first time like you know she was at ground zero she worked on this project she's the only one who knows who betrayed the soviet union like she's actually important to the plot for several different reasons so it's 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 more interesting that they give her agency and that she has something to do and she has a reason to be there and she's well acted and like her dialogue's like fun and good yeah, and I think that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, it's just 
because she's a hacker and everything. I like the the train scene where like they're literally about to blow up and like James Bond is like, "Come on, let's go." He's like, "Get off the computer." And she's like, "It's going to New York. It's going to Michigan and to Cuba." And he's like, "Come on!" And he get, like takes her out of there. And I I love that scene uh, a lot. I don't I don't know why. I just thought it was funny seeing that old ass computer in a line going to each country. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but what were you... yeah, that, that's so weird like is she like going through his vpn or like I, i've never really understood what's happening there there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like mid 90s i'm a screenwriter and i don't know how computers works kind of crap yeah like send he, a spike he, like, what? Yeah, send, what's a spike what is that what are you doing and i the like advanced... it. He, he's like we're gonna use an emp on london and we're gonna take down uh everything all these uh criminal records and and debt records and all this other stuff and i'm like well th- that's not really that's not how it works. That's all stored in more than one place. I, whatever. <laughs> the quote-unquote advanced technology in this movie aged like milk. Like, I, and it, we'll get to the scene later, of course, toward the end, like the the climax in the movie. But just anytime I see a movie now that has a massive satellite, I just lose my shit. I think it's the funniest thing ever because it's like, well, man, people's brains would blow out the back of their heads if they saw the, the cell phone that I held that was basically the same power as that massive satellite, and it's, <laughs> it's in the palm of my hand. It's like, it's not been that long. Uh, it, to me, I always think that's funny. But uh, but yeah, I, I agree. The, the, the computer scene was, was pretty good. Um, my, my pretentious take on, on her Natalia's character is I feel like she actually is very relatable to the viewer in that there's a very huge, like, again, there's a humanistic approach to her character and it allows you to see like the, the callousness of war through that viewer's eyes. Like, again, it, it'd be if, if anyone else were just in that same circumstance. And again, I think they do give subtle nods trying to play off and say, well, Bond is not just this cool character that's simply there because of like, well, this is the way it is. I mean, Again, there are a lot of great things to and perks to what he does, but also he's he's suffered a great deal of trauma through what he's had to go through, and it shows. Well, I have to be this way because I don't have a choice. Like this is who I am. I'm I'm basically a machine, and I feel like that that plays a little bit because she kind of t- taps into that human side for him a little bit, and I don't think you see that a lot in in very many Bond films at all, or if they even attempt it, it's not very well executed. So no, that's why I, that's why you can tell that. I mean, unfortunately, this this script went through like five or six different screenwriters, so it's hard to give credit to like one person. But uh, a lot, something, a lot of the good Bond scripts have in common, right up through um, the the newest ones, is they're using the Bond girl not just as eye candy, which you know we all know that's why they're there, but they're also using it as someone uh, kind of like the fish out of water in screenwriting tropes, in that. It's someone for Bond to explain things to because otherwise he's just by himself. He's not going to talk to himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do anything. It's someone there to be confused so that he can say things. And he's not saying it just to that character. He's saying it to the audience. And then also it's someone to play off of, oh, he, he's just a, he's basically just a federal assassin. He's just killing for his government, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We, we have to bring this up. Who was the FBI guy in the old uh, other old Bond movies? What was his name? CIA, I mean, well, was this Felix Leiter was in the CIA? Yeah. Oh yeah, Felix. So now we have a new uh, CIA guy, uh, Jack Wade, uh, played by Judon Baker. Yeah, and... I told you guys. I told you when we did um, 
Living Daylights, Jodon Baker was going to come back because in that movie he was a bad guy. Now he's a good guy. <laughs> That's really confusing because those movies are separated by like less than ten years. <laughs> yeah, he 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 brings the comedy. Like I like the part where after like James Bond uh, bumps some nasties with Natalia after like forcing a kiss on the beach and having that sex scene. They're like driving and all of a sudden uh, a plane just comes out of nowhere. And like Natalia's like all freaking out and shit, and like Bond's just driving like it's nothing. And then uh, Jack Wade comes out, and <laughs> that 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 scene's funny. And also near the end where they thought they were alone, and literally there was like Marines around them. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> that part got me. Uh, that scene does piss me off a little bit though, because he goes, "Yo, Marines," and they're all like you know, under ghillie suits and stuff, and that's really cool. But then three helicopters descend into the shot, and it's like, they couldn't... Are they stealth helicopters? Why couldn't they hear these helicopters? They're like 50 feet away. I think that's why it's so funny, though, because the whole... It it was literally that, you know, him trying to seduce her and, and saying, wait, oh, no, no, there's nobody around for miles. We're totally fine. And then it's like, literally everyone's watching. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I liked how campy it was that there were actually helicopters that he would be that oblivious. Like, now nah, who cares? It's, like, it's fine. <laughs> I like when they first meet up, though, where like, he, he first goes to Russia, then he's like looking for his the fucking contact or whatever. And he like, he thinks he sees him, he walks up to him, and he says like, I don't know, the, the, the dew on the morning glories drips when the temperature is mild. And then, <laughs> he, said, he says in Great Britain, April is a spring month or something like that. Yeah. And he, so, he says, code. oh, great, another stiff-ass Brit with your code phrases and your passwords. <laughs> when are you going to give that shit up? <laughs> <laughs> then he goes into that small-ass Volkswagen and shit. <laughs> this little tiny Russian car. They have a bunch of really great dialogue because I really like just after that, you know, it's like Muffy is one of my third wife, blah, blah, blah. Uh, mm-hmm. Name's Jack Wade. And he says, uh, stiff ass Brett <laughs> introduces himself. <laughs> and then, then, then they get to be buddies mm-hmm. and they're pals. I also like him fixing his car's engine. That's that's a fun time. Yeah, give me the sledgehammer, he just fucking bangs it with the triple H is the, the, the engine. Um yeah. uh one of my other favorite scenes is the tank scene. Uh it's hilarious what he does with that tank. Uh because drifting with the tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, or Bob is like, go down this alley. And Bond's like, I don't, I don't fucking care where you go. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my favorite part is like, he's in the tank, James Bond, and like he pulls up to the edge and he sees where they're going and he like fixes his tie and then he goes back into the little thing and drives again. And I was like, that's badass. And then, you know, that leads up to the, the train part because. You know, obviously we had the swerve, uh, Vince Vince Russo swerve. Yeah, bro. Uh, you know, you know, double oh six, bro. Well, guess what, bro? He's gonna be a villain, bro. And that's what happened in this movie. He's the main villain, and he's on the train. <laughs> James Bond is like, I'm gonna park this motherfucking tank on the tracks, and like. Like Sean Bean, his character is like rabbit, and I'm like, I was like, wait a second, this doesn't sound right. This sounds like this train is about to go off track, and then you see on on the top, you're like, we're about to derail, like she's about to come at the 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 fact that the the train is about to derail, and they're about to be launched. Talk about her enough yet? Yeah, Uh, let's let's talk about on the top. One number one, 
James Bond movies need to have these uh, sexual in- innuendo names uh, for women still, which is hilarious. Well, they, they took the innuendo away from the Bond girl and they gave it to the henchman because, you know, every movie's got a bad guy, bad guy's got a henchman, and then there's a Bond girl. Mm. But in this movie, the henchman is also a chick, so they gave her the innuendo name. So I, I, have, to, I have to ask this question because I know how sex works. Um, and yes, I googled it before the show. <laughs> I, I I went to sex education and I googled sex before the show. And when when they the pool scene, like they go to the sauna area, and they're like fighting, but it looks like James Bond's dick was so hard from fighting, like they were actually having sex on the wall and wherever they were going until you know her ass went onto the the burning uh, stone and shit. And I was like, that's weird. And then they do it again later on where she's, you know, hanging from the helicopter and it looks like, it looks like there's, she's squeezing him with her thighs, but, but it's also, she kills that uh, uh, Canadian officer as well. Yeah. But take off, but it also looks like they're still doing it while she's hanging from a helicopter. And and that scene is fucking hilarious because they film it weird. She always did like a good squeeze. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> they, they did. They did that scene kind of weird though. Like he shoots the helicopter. The helicopter's like falling down really slowly, and she's like hanging on a tree. And I'm like, wait a second, is like the blade's gonna cut her? Like I was waiting for that to happen, and it never happened. She just got her body crushed. That's- no, she, the vest was still attached, so it pulled her into the tree and crushed her rib cage. Yeah, th- that's why I said it, it, it crushed her. But I was like, the way it was looking, I was like, oh, I thought the blades were going to cut her. But I'm like, it's a James Bond film, so it's not going to be. A well, cool. no, it's it's more poignant because that's how she's been crushing dudes with her her big old thighs while she bones them. She's <laughs> a freaky sadomasochist. <laughs> yeah, Russian fighter pilot. What a bizarre character. That's why she keeps getting <laughs> off in her fights and everything. She's a, uh, according to Wikipedia, a sadistic lust murderer. Yeah, <laughs> so, killing killing people gets her off. Like when she machine guns all those people at the at the Golden like, oh. Station, she's like, you know, she has a look on her face that's like lustful. Like, it's like a weird. She gets off on murder. She's she's sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like honestly, that's one of like the more fucked up henchmen, I guess, in a Bond movie. She kind, she kind of recollect. Is. Let's go back to what Dub said. Like, anytime there's like this moment of of danger, like that. Oh, she's probably gonna be harmed. She always has this like fascinating face. Like, oh, like almost to the degree that it's kind of like silly. Like again, she Sean uh, Bean's character says, "Oh yeah, go ahead and ram that tank," and she's like, <sighs> like bloodlust, like ready to lick her lips. So. I was almost convinced like there could be a subplot that she's a vampire, but <laughs> but no, she just died, so I don't think that's no, it. She, she did. <laughs> well, I, she, she's just really good, and all, uh, the scene at the beginning when they're playing Baccarat, which I don't understand how to play, so I'm glad the guy tells me who wins, but their dialogue there is really good, and uh, I think one of my favorite lines in the whole movie, and I've never really thought about it until this viewing, is you know Bond swimming, and he knows that someone's watching him. He goes in there and like, throws her real violently, and uh, he's pointing a gun at her, and she stands up and gets like right up in his face, like just about to kiss him. He goes, "That's close enough." <laughs> <laughs> just really like that. 
Uh, like she walks completely past the gun, like right in his face, and he just goes, "That's close enough." Like really, really mildly. It's just really funny. Uh, and it's amazing um, that Pierce Bronson, like after this movie, that he does Dante's Peak, I believe, like pretty soon after that. So it it, it feels like this movie kind of launches him. I don't know what he did before Goldeneye. Mostly TV and Steel. Yeah, yeah, Rim Steel Brother and little movies. I think before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's interesting. In fact, his his existing career kind of. Uh, this is a weird roundabout thing, and it's not necessarily true. It's just my own personal uh, interpretation. But his stupid TV career ruined the Bond franchise through no fault of his. Um, like I said, when they wrote this this whole script, they wanted it to be like dark and serious and cool, like the other two um, Tim Dalton Bond movies. And then Dalton couldn't do it, and they said, "Well, hey." You played Bond in a Diet Coke commercial. Do you want to um, audition for this? And then he said, well, yeah, of course. And then he got it. And everyone was like, oh, Remington Steel is going to be bad. And then he was great. But then they started because he signed a contract. He said, I'll be Bond for four movies, five movies, whatever he actually signed. I'm not sure. Three. It might have been three. And then they extended it. He signed a contract. And so the screenwriters were like, I've seen pierce brosnan before i've watched remington steel and all this tv bullshit i'm gonna write for him now so when they wrote for dalton we got the best pierce brosnan bond movie when they wrote for pierce brosnan we got a bunch of shit well i mean there's there's some good with the bad i don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here but I, in my opinion, when the writers realized that it was Pierce Brosted, they all their brains got smooth and they forgot how to write a really cool James Bond. <laughs> I that's what I think. I, again, in the in the coming three weeks, I'll elaborate on this point a lot because I'm very passionate about how sucky Bond gets from now until Casino Royale. But it's it's really really interesting because they thought, oh, he can't pull this off, but goddamn it. <laughs> watch your own movie you idiots but no they, they don't do it that's that's why because um before we did the show that's what i was researching i was trying to figure out why the tone of gold is so different that's why i i'm so boned up on all this now mm-hmm. let's let's get into kind of like the final act a little bit right um because we're, we're getting near the end where uh they go to the i don't know what the place is called but always in the bond film they always have to have these like fancy metal swirly stairs and shit and it kind of looks like an evil lair um yeah i mean uh uh, spiral staircases are evil that's i'm pretty sure that's science i think you learn that if you uh study um architecture yes yeah yeah that's actually what alchemy originally intended to be for is to create spiral staircases out of gold yeah so if you if you go into anybody's homes and they have spiral staircase uh you should leave immediately and defriend them don't don't uh, them. yeah stop them following them on twitter yeah <laughs> um but th- that scene kind of gets wacky a little bit because then you you know you get the another vince russo swerve and boris is uh turning on natalia um and then like all the explosion shit that's happening in that, that scene is hilarious with the proximity mind uh that is hooked up on there and then the another thing that makes me think of the game yeah because mm-hmm. he's got that stupid huge mind and then in the game, they were like, oh, mines, we can do something with that. And they made three different kinds of mines. But in the game, I always interpreted them as being like this, you know, much smaller, like maybe the size of your palm or something. He's got like these big old 
big old things. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part is of that craziness is the the whole pen scene where Boris is like clicking and he has to count like one two three and then if he does one two three he turns it off and then like which... I don't I can't I, ever since I've been a kid I've tried to count the clicks but it cuts away too many times. Mm. I I think they do it on purpose. I think they do it so that you lose track as the viewer, so it's a big surprise. Maybe I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. I definitely paused and went back and watched it a second time to try to catch it because I missed like, it. They they yeah. kind of I I don't think like by my count it shouldn't be active when it is, and I think it's because I'm losing it when it cuts away. But you can still hear it, so I don't know. Mm. But yeah, th- that whole scene is is crazy, uh, and I I want to bring this up because I what what, what is, I'm just gonna call him 006 because I don't Alec is that his name Alec in the movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Alec yeah. So when James Bond is like holding on to Alec and then like lets go of him uh, because he's like fuck you motherfucker you're a piece of shit and like drops I mean, him. Yeah. How did he live that? By the way, like that's Fairly. a pretty far drop, and somehow he was still alive. Well, the guy's fit. He's good shape. He knows how to land. I'm sure he's got like training about like <clears throat> how to land from a high fall, but it still kind of fucks him up. But I mean, you drop a, a satellite dish on the guy, that'll finish him off. That'll do it. Mm. So actually, I I, I want to step in on that. I got the medical take. Uh, I guess it's it's worth it. I can't get away from it, but I I am in in the medical field, and one thing that a lot of movie tropes will get wrong is scenes with falling deaths that someone when they fall they just immediately die it is actually very common for people that fall 100 feet or less um for people to actually still very well be alive even several seconds to up to a minute or so after they fall um it's like an adrenaline rush but again of course like shortly after they they'll succumb to the, the uh injuries they have and and uh and go into shock and die so it to me seeing that i actually really enjoyed that that little detail was there that he was look up it is a little dramatic because he looks up at him and and everything and they have the exchange before he does die but but realistically that that could very well happen depending on the nature of the well, ball how hard he hit his head so it's really interesting actually i always yeah. thought they were like well no he needs to stay alive so that he can yell when the satellite dish crushes him because that's too cool like, yeah <laughs> I, I I still I was like that's that's pretty awesome when the satellite kicks him, hits him and uh, kills him. Uh, I I want to bring up this token fact about my life. Uh, so I watched a lot of National Treasure with uh, Sean Bean as the villain in that movie. Uh, so every time when I think of Sean Bean, I always think of him trying to steal the Declaration of Independence all the time, rather than Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. More. So yeah, I think of Lord of the yeah. Rings and this. Like my whole life, because I saw this movie several times as a kid. Mm-hmm. So every time when I see Sean, I'm like, "God damn it, give us the Declaration of Independence, you fool!" <laughs> so that's. I, I, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to just say that's a little fact about me being autistic, right there. Sorry. <laughs> it also makes uh, me think about Oblivion a little bit, which is a bit of a callback, as you mentioned Oblivion earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that being said, we we all we're all somewhere on the spectrum there with with that. But uh, but I think the analogy for me is, um, in this movie, his character is analogous to, um, uh, Alan Rickman's uh character in, uh, Die Hard. 
Yes. Uh, in the fact that when I think of Alan Rickman, I and it's weird. A lot of people, you know, the first thing they, they jump to is uh, Snape. I mean, cl- clearly that's like the legendary character. You know, he's like tied to. I actually jumped to Marvin the Robot from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because I was weird and I loved that movie and I loved those I books as a kid. So that's what I think of. Uh, and then Snape. And, but, and then I think of him as a villain. So in the kind of the same frame, like I think of Boromir immediately when I see Sean Bean. And then, of yeah. course... Game of Thrones falls in that trope and everything, but then like this movie's here too, and it's like, oh, he was an awesome villain in this movie. Um, but I can see what you're saying too. National Treasure, he fits. It is it is kind of funny to think it's man, he's he's got his fingers in everything. He's easy <laughs> to play that with this movie too, because I mean, Rosnan and Judy Dench for the most part, I do know them from Bond primarily, but Sean Bean, Lord of the Rings, uh, freaking Hagrid from the Harry Potter movies is in this movie. Judon Baker is in a thousand things mm-hmm. and uh, there's two X-Men in this movie. So. <laughs> and it's funny that you bring up Die Hard, uh, Chaz, because when he fell, it kind of had like the Hans Gruber when he fell uh, off of the building. And I, did, that, yeah. the first thing that came to mind when I saw it is like, ha, that's a green screen. And I laughed a little bit because I'm like, it's so <laughs> obvious, uh, but it was awesome. That like, that was big back in the day. Speaking mm-hmm. of, uh, effects and stuff um first of all uh there's some model work in this movie that didn't age well yes. i hate to say it because i love model work i fucking love it but uh when the fighter jet crashes into the sally dish it's like oh that's a model that's right. but this is the very first james bond movie to use cg and do any of you know where they use it uh, when golden eye uh when yeah uh... golden eye is the very first movie to use the very first bond movie to use cg mm. it's really obvious when you think about it yeah, when the whole like snow is all electrified, is that the CGI that you're talking about? Nope. No. Oh, then what is it? Just the 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 missile itself in space? No, that's all After Effects stuff. Oh. That's not computer CGI. I'm curious now. It's really yeah. obvious, <laughs> but it's really it's you're gonna you're gonna be like, oh, that doesn't count, but it does. I don't know what I don't know what scene you're talking about. It's but... the opening music video. Oh, oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, but that is that is an interesting fact. This is the first Bond movie to use CGI, but they only used it for the opening um, music video, which is which looks really cool. It's got that whole fallen Soviet Union vibe going on. You said something earlier that triggered my my own little autistic vibes. There, I was like, "Wait, two X Men were in this movie? Who?" Yeah. So I had to go back and look. Uh, which I, the one I figured our henchman was uh, uh, who played Jean Grey in Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who had didn't? I just didn't click. Boris played Nightcrawler. Oh yeah, that's right. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, in last that's or right. not last name at X two, which is great because. Uh, for me, at least in the X Men, Nightcrawler is one of my favorite characters within the comic lore, and I I thought in X Two he did a fantastic job, and it really burns my ass that they have not gotten they either just removed Nightcrawler completely or just have when they did bring him back his character just didn't make any sense or was just not nearly as good. So I just, it's kind of interesting to see that because I had no idea that was who that was. That's it. He's not blue. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Uh, at the end of the movie, he kind of was. So maybe that's true. Actually, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess I mean we hit every beat of, of the movie. So I guess final thoughts. Uh, so I'll go first. Um, I I recommend this movie. I'm probably gonna be a little biased because the Golden Eye game got me into this movie. 
And I want to say so far, I want to say GoldenEye is probably one of my favorite Bond films. And again, that's me being biased because I grew up on it. That's like literally oh, yeah. my, my first N- Nostalgia Bond. speaking, I'm right there with you. Like yeah. this is top five. Objectively speaking, probably not. But God damn it. I, this movie, it, it came out just when I was the right age. This movie got me into James Bond. And of course, now I'm like a huge James Bond freak weirdo. And I own a bunch of the novels and this the box set here you can see if you're watching the video and uh, uh, freaking half a dozen or more video games i tried to play some goldeneye before i mean i did play some goldeneye before the show i only got through a couple levels but i've discovered a major problem with my nintendo 64 that i won't elaborate on right now <laughs> i uh i played it on a special type of uh i i i, I rommed it i'm just gonna That's fine. It. just emulate emulate yeah. everything it feel, Fuck game companies it, it feels weird playing it on a regular controller goldeneye because i'm like automatically trying to go to a uh n64 controller uh which is funny because there was a meme where he's like i'm gonna tell my kids i played the n64 like this and somebody putting their foot right in the joystick while the other mm-hmm. two hands are on the handles so, one of my favorite memes is like someone this is how they wanted you to play 64 and someone's holding the two far ones but they're wearing a hoodie so someone has their arm like i think the guy's arm is out of the hoodie with the middle thing and someone else's arm is coming up through the hoodie to hold the third thing so it just looks like he's got three arms <laughs> it's it's a, that's that's pretty funny yeah so i i was messing with the controls and all the pieces are there to make the game perfectly playable but like if you want you can do like a twin stick setup with the c buttons and either the d-pad or the the analog stick mm-hmm but all the good ones that do that move the fire button to A, which I can't stand. It's got to be on the trigger. So they're like all the pieces are there, and I'm still like there's like ten goddamn control schemes in that game. So I'm still kind of messing around trying to find it. But I am if when my 64 is more up to snuff, I am gonna do the double controller scheme. That's that's where it's at because you hold a controller in each hand, so you have two sticks, and then you got fire. Mm-hmm uh button use and something else on your other thumb but yeah that, that's where it's at it's almost like playing with joy cons like the switch joy cons or something kinda. yeah yeah kinda. Four mouse. yeah that's interesting never played with that i always thought that that i, I mean again that, that game is legendary for what it is and the multiplayer i mean i spent endless amount of time playing that it was like my precursor to playing endless amounts of halo multiplayer but mm-hmm. um the game for really all of us did it's tons of nostalgia that being said Fuck that single player campaign. That shit was so infuriating. Um, I think mostly the any like escort it. that had to do with Natalia. It was I, I hated it as a kid. Just I, leave I don't her. Know. That's what you do. You talk to her and you say stay here, and then you just kill everyone, and then you come back. You say okay, let's go. I, I was know. as a kid. I just it always got me. I was like ah fuck this. I want to play multiplayer. Let's get the golden gun. Yes, <laughs> like yes. that was our thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll quickly go on like my history of that real quick. It's it's real simple. My friends invited me over. Uh, I'm still like far behind. I'm playing Super Nintendo, uh, and they're like, "Oh, check out this N64." I'm like, I, "I still got Super Nintendo. I'm playing Star Fox, motherfucker." Uh, and then like they're like, "No, check out this game, and it's Goldeneye." And literally, that game uh, made me go bother my parents for an N64 to get Goldeneye. Uh, and when I played the single player game, uh, it was fucking hard for me. I was a st- stupid n- uh, noob. Uh, and I cheesed the fuck out of that game. Like, I would stick in a corner and wait for the enemies to come, and I would just, like, shoot them out. Uh, especially that Natalia, where I was just, like, leading the enemies to, like, a bottleneck. 
uh, in the hallway and I would take him out. Uh, but that's my history on it. But back to the movie, I highly recommend it. Uh, I feel like this film, there's a lot more iconic scenes that I remember. Again, that's nostalgia for me. Uh, the tank scene, the dam, uh, the whole golden eye weapon, and then seeing Sean Bean. I, I, I liked it. Uh, Zach, what about you? Um, yeah, I like this one uh, really well. Um, going back to something you guys were saying when you were bringing up Die Hard, uh, I noticed in this movie a lot of the uh, action and stunts, especially the, the gunplay, was really tight and it was there was a lot of shooting and just the way it was all filmed and stuff reminded me a lot of Die Hard, mm-hmm. like like in the dam where he's like running around shoot, spraying guys with that little AK seventy four, and there's like a bunch of guys you see all the the, the rich. I was thinking about the the archive when they're in the stacks. Yeah, that the, too. The gunplay in that scene is really cool because it feels chaotic. It like usually. You saying it's like Die Hard does make me think it reminds me of the scene where the guys are coming out of the elevator and he's like, ah, like shoots at him and they're shooting at him. And uh, he's like, shoot the glass. That whole scene, they they do kind of hit the same because both of them are very much just someone's got a gun and they just go, ah, just like shooting a whole bunch. And there's all these sparks and stuff in the stacks. And I love I love the the great grading floor that's a really cool gimmick because he's got to shoot down at him and they're shooting up at him then she falls through the grating it just collapses yeah there's but the the action and the stunt choreography is really cool i can't figure out how the fuck they did some of the shit they did like when uh him and trevelyan were fighting on the weird satellite thing and and james bond fucking fell down the ladder and did like a flip somehow and caught himself what the hell? How do you do some that? stuntmen who know what they're doing? I guess. Yeah, crazy. They're taking some crazy bumps there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like this movie a lot. It's probably one of my favorite ones so far. Uh, yeah, there's there's some nostalgia for me too because uh, he was Bond when I was growing up, and you know, we're all in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did play the game a little bit. I didn't have an N64. I had you know, I had to go to a friend's house to play that kind of thing, but. I recommend it highly. All right. I think it's. I think it stands on its own. It's a good movie. I definitely yeah. my my favorite amongst the the Brazen era of, of films. I almost wonder with Annie's take. He he was mentioning, which I know we may get to the future, but I would wonder if if you had this movie as a standalone to go on, or or that that same bar was held, where would you rank him amongst the other Bonds? Because like in this movie, it's it's such a big difference between the other films. I. I, I don't know, but I know that's something we might cover later on. But I, at least for me, this is easily my favorite one of the, any of the films he's in. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the other ones because uh, I'll save it. But I think it mm-hmm. downgrades after Goldeneye for Pierce Bronson for me. Um, you guys keep saying stuff like "I think" and "We'll see." No, it does. This is the best Pierce Brosnan movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling my shot right now. This one's gonna win. It's gonna. We're all gonna rank it as number one. <laughs> Uh, so Chad, what'd you say, Zach? I said, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so Chaz, you're, you're saying you recommend this film, correct? Yeah. yeah, I would, I would give it, I would give it a thumbs up. Okay. Andy, last but not least. Yeah, I know. I haven't really made my stance clear on this. So I guess I'd probably, I, I better clear the air right now. Uh, this is the best Pierce Brosnan movie. It is very good. It is well-written and well-acted and I like it a lot. And if you haven't seen it, for the love of God, watch it. Also, 
the game is better than people tell you. And it is, it's aged more gracefully than you think. You just got to futz around with the controls a little bit. Yeah. Please. All right, guys. Well, let me see if I have my Pierce Bronson right. The next one is Tomorrow Never Dies, right? Yep. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. The red one. The red. All the marketing was super red. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. uh so remember to watch tomorrow never dies then come back here uh tuesday and we'll talk about it but usually before we end uh today's episode we have some news that matter to us so i'll go first um two things happened uh, over uh the week um one the apparently horizon uh, ubisoft ea and um Gorilla developers are like shitting on Elden Ring developers. I guess this is the kind of thing where it's like, you know, people keep saying they work for these companies. And I feel like it's trying to put the thought into people's heads that these companies are upset that Elden Ring is good and they're trying to like talk down to it. No, this these are individuals. These are people who work for these companies and they personally don't like the UI, don't like the difficulty spike, don't like character design. Like they you know, at the end of the day, they're they may have more expertise in video game design, but they're still just people. They're still just individuals, and not everyone likes Elden Ring. Yeah, which is kind of hard to figure out looking around sometimes. But not everyone loves it. I, I guess this because there's always been this argument where you need to have an easy mode uh, or an accessibility or direction uh, in uh, these Dark Soul games, and I'm like. Sure. I mean, if you want to be included into a game uh, that everybody is liking right now, and because of the difficulty, the FOMO, like people like me, um, it could hurt because, you know, they suck at the game. Uh, The only way to get better is if you practice and have patience instead of just go. Yeah, get good. And people don't like that. It's just like it's annoying that you're telling a developer to make a game easier because you want to play it. Well, that's that's the bad part. Like, I am a big proponent for uh, easy mode in games, accessibility. But the problem with Souls games is then you lose what they've designed. That's not their intent. Like, if there's an easy mode in an Assassin's Creed, who the fuck cares? You're still getting the whole experience. You're still exploring. You're still assassinating. You're still doing everything else. But in a Souls game, the the fact that every individual enemy can in fact be deadly is kind of the point of them and you know i've been i've been vocally outspoken about how i can't get into souls games and i'm not personally a fan of them but i do see the argument for no easy accessibility to souls games because it would be like um you've never seen a movie but you read a synopsis on wikipedia i've never seen citizen kane but i I read the wikipedia article so i've basically seen citizen kane no you fucking haven't you didn't experience this this piece of media it's kind of the same thing like you're missing you're missing part of that experience so you haven't experienced the whole thing so if if it's okay zach i want to give you a chance first to to jump in uh because I have I have a, a take. I'm going to try to pitch the idea of why these games need to be the, the way they are. Okay. Because uh, there's a very specific reason. But first, I want to see what your take on it is. Oh, uh, the thing about the easy mode, people whining about it being hard shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really care about that necessarily. But um, it's like, if the game's designed whatever intent is behind the game design, that's what needs to be preserved. 
So, like, if they're trying to reach fucking everybody with their game design, like, like when Andy said the thing about Assassin's Creed or whatever, or various other games, that's fine. Uh, in this case, that wasn't their intent. So, don't mess with it. It's not every game's going to be for everybody. Just like not every movie, every piece of media is going to be for everybody either. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. just people insisting they add it feels like I can't stand watching black and white movies. I insist you colorize it for me. It feels like the same kind of argument. It's like, no, I've, just watch a black and white movie, stupid. I've experienced yeah. similar thing. Like uh, when people, like people used to hate this term. Like, it got thrown around a lot uh, ten or so years ago. People dumb down like fighting games and stuff. That shit irritates me a lot. I'm like, it's no, stop that. Like, just make a new fighting game that's easy for somebody to play. That's easier. Don't don't dumb down an already existing game and design. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, now, and again, I what I the take I'm gonna, about to to give resonates with with that anyway. In that again, not every game is for every person, and and more specifically. Um, it is okay if something is difficult. It's okay if that's what turns you off and you don't want to play it. Um, so you kind of sell the idea. And this is coming from someone I have played every single Souls-like game. I have completed all of them. I have platinum a few of them. I, I have played all of them, except for Elden Ring, which I'm working on now. I am well-versed in these games, hundreds and hundreds of hours. And uh, I've also listened uh, to a few of the, the um, interviews that Miyazaki, the creator of these games, has done. Um, and it's very interesting and kind of cool to hear his take, too. So a little bit of it's biased from that. Um, but the whole point of this game, you're never supposed to play this game by yourself. And I think that is one thing that's lost. This game is incredibly difficult, but the intention of the game, uh, any of the games that have ever been made, is you're actually supposed to play it with other people. Yeah. You can play it by yourself. And you can also have some someone play with you and it be to the detriment of that. But a lot of people use games as an outlet to escape from the realities of what they're facing. However, a lot of directors will use games in the same way that someone who writes a book will express himself in some type of art form, and it's to express their own personal hardships. Miyazaki used the game and the format for Dark Souls as a way to describe the hardships in his own life. And the entire idea of these games are that they are intentionally difficult uh, because it is to show the hardship that you have to try to overcome them, whether you do it on your own repeatedly or if you do it by having the cooperation of someone else to help you. And it's supposed to relate that experience. Now, again, not everyone's going to respond to that the, the same way because not everyone's looking for something difficult when they're trying to escape from what may be a difficult reality for them so i think that's why some of it's lost again some of it is more of just that that typical uh pitchfork twitter social media nonsense but i, I do think that when you look at it that way there is i i've again i've died thousands of times playing these games um, so for me saying that I've played them a lot doesn't mean I'm good at them by any means. It just means that I've, I've pushed myself to get through them. And there is, there is like almost a sense of relief or reward that you get when you, you're able to finish them. Um, and, and he actually, uh, one of the interviews, this was back when he, uh, he had made, um, the first dark souls, like, uh, and they talked and he actually got really emotional and talked about how, um, one of the, like the more famous fights is the orange scene in smoke like that. That's supposed to be like specifically a plateau like you hit that that's your limit if you can break that glass ceiling 
the rest of the game is actually a bit easier, but that's a very hard challenge for a lot of people. And that was actually reflective of someone close to him dying, like trying to get over that hurdle. I just think it's kind of an interesting way for someone to express himself. It's just that not everyone takes it that way when they're, they're trying to play through a game. And uh, again, then you get people that are just like, well, this isn't the same as me playing Fortnite. This is stupid. Like that, that is what it is. Yeah. And I, my main thing is people should be able to create the games that they want to. And, and yeah, it would be kind of, you could sell more copies if you wanted to just imagine if it was, did have an easy mode, uh, you'd be having more people playing it. Um, which is, I guess, which is true, but then you lose the identity of what the game is all about. Um, because I've always heard and playing Dark Souls 2, because uh, I, I actually started playing that recently. I like the fact that I'm thrown into this world and it's kind of like, go explore. Just just do it. And, and then you're just like, oh, what does this stone do? He's like, oh my God, it's fucking magic. What, what, what can I attach it to? And you're just like, this is fucking awesome. And then you're just like, I'm going to go fight that enemy. Oh, he's too powerful for me. I got to go back and grind again and then come back and then... It, it it just let people create what they want to create. And the, the, the amazing thing is that they didn't bend the knee. And that's what I'm happy about. They just said, hey, we respect that you want our game. You want to play our game, but we're still going to keep on designing on how we want to design it. And I'm I'm ha- I'm more happy about that than the actual <laughs> uh, good reviews for Elden Ring and all that stuff, because they stood their ground. You know, that's what they want to do with their game. And they should be allowed to do that. That's that's more important than accessibility. I think a lot of the games that are trying to appeal to everyone all the time, it's been to their detriment. Like Call of Duty still makes like a jillion dollars every year, Mm -hmm. but I think it's like a little less all the time because they're trying to satisfy everyone. And it's just, you know, those games they're 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 milk toast bland white bread shooters now. Like they're not they're not making any statements or innovating or thinking outside the box anymore. It's more interesting when a game has something to say and People, uh, there was always that thing about uh, Final Fantasy VII is supposed to be about loss because uh, uh, Sakaguchi's mother died or something like that. Like that, that, that makes for a more interesting thing when someone's making something for, that means something to them, a director. Because people forget that games are like, like you were saying, like books or movies or something. People can can put some of themselves into that, like Miyazaki's doing with this this idea that you can't do stuff alone. That's actually part of what made me want to give Dark Souls another shot. Death fucking stranding. <laughs> I played Death Stranding and I was like, I want to turn the shit off. I don't want to see anyone's shit. I don't want to see all these structures. And then I started seeing it. I was like, this is really nice. I love this. I really <laughs> mm-hmm. like getting likes. I like building roads with people. I, I love all of this. So they kind of like, because when I played Dark Souls the first time, I did turn everything off. I couldn't mm-hmm. get assistance and I couldn't be invaded. I didn't want any of that shit. I just, I just, it's an RPG. I just want to play it by myself. So now I'm going to play it correctly this time. I'm gonna see if it helps. I, I was uh, just to close it off here. I was watching my friend uh, play Elden Ring, and I love the messages. Is like secret area found here, and there's no secret area. It's just people fucking with people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it is fantastic! But yeah. try, try finger, but hole, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I again, I'm like 30 hours into this game, and I have probably seen a hundred of those messages. And for the first time today, I saw a message that told me, and I hit it, and it was actually a secret. It's the first one I found that was an illusory or illusionary wall, and it actually led to treasure. I was like, finally, I found one. Um, there, there is one quick point that you, you made uh, about about the game and like not compromising. I, not that I, I'm, I'm like 
splitting hairs or anything at all. I, again, Elden Ring is fantastic from what I've played, but I, I would actually argue, I think they did compromise a little bit. Again, it's homogenizing these games is not the way to go for the, the fan base because it does take away from the soul of the, or identity of a game. Mm-hmm. But because, again, and it goes back to my original endorsement, for someone who's never played these games, Again, this is easily the most accessible game, but that in itself shows the compromises they've made because you if you go back and try to play Demon Souls, for instance, the actual original game, or if you play the first Dark Souls, like the right way, like OG, like Blight Town is glitchy as fuck and it's it's horrible. Like again, those games are horrendously difficult and it's intentional and they do not give any leeway for things and you have to learn through that where now it's, it is much more accessible. And some of it is, is a good thing, but at the same time, I, I think it is like, oh, we have to appeal to a wider audience. So I think there is some balance there. And, I, and that's actually a, a good thing. Just don't go so far. Like if you go too far and say, oh, well, everyone can play it. Well, then you take away from what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I, I know I said I had two news. Uh, the other news is crappy. Uh, it's, it's, it's out, literally really quickly. Uh, three four three uh said, "Hey, season two is coming out in May," and, and people are just like, "Wait a second, season two of Halo Infinite multiplayer is coming out in May." So we had what six to seven months of bare bones activities in multiplayer, and like they 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 showed up like their new theme is like Lone Wolf and a couple of maps, and they're just like enjoy, and I'm like, ah. You, and apparently the lead uh, multiplayer designer uh, left 343, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. If your lead multiplayer is leaving and there's, like, no content for your game, uh, that means the game is probably dying unless they find leadership quick, uh, and that's not a good sign. Uh, so, I remembered a minor piece of news that's kind of an addendum to the Dark Souls accessibility thing. And it's also an addendum to, uh, we talked before about how Forza Horizon 5 is famously accessible. Like, they have stuff where if you've only got one hand, you can play. And if you've got, like, developmental issues, you can play the game. Like, there are settings that will just about play the game for you if for some reason you you can't manage it. Because, like, someone was moved to tears because their son could play this racing game. It was the first racing game they were able to play, like, their entire life. Stuff like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. They weren't satisfied with already being one of the most accessible video games ever made. Uh, they announced that they are adding um, American Sign Language and um, uh, British Sign uh, Sign Language to every cutscene in the entire game. So every time someone talks to you, you can turn it on and a box appears on the right side of the screen and someone will interpret the entire thing to you in sign language. That's Holy cool. shit. <laughs> every yeah, cutscene really i was like cool. jesus christ that's awesome I, <laughs> like it doesn't matter to me but they're I, really committed i might turn it on just to see how, how it just is. to see what it looks like yeah. yeah so uh yeah that's my news uh andy did you have any news that you want to bring up or is that the just that one thing about about force i just saw it on twitter i was like these guys aren't gonna let up and they want to make sure every human being is capable of playing this game which i think is way more important than making a game that everyone wants to play you should make a game that everyone can play that's true accessibility that I, I agree. That accessibility is great. Accessibility for just the, the fanboy that wants to play it for, has the potato IQ, smooth brain, as you said earlier. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan for of that, but that's great that they do that for people who have disabilities. That's 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 awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Chaz, do you have any news that you want to bring up? No. Uh, uh, again, any any other relevant things I had I, I want to say for the 
the uh, the podcast later this week, wrestling related. No, no other specific news that I saw, other than I'm I'm happy to 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 be here and be involved in the in the podcast. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we had some good conversations tonight. Uh, Zach, what about you? Any news? Yeah, I got a couple couple items here. Um, one of them's brief. Well, a couple of them are brief. Uh, gaming first. Uh, Sony State of Play is tomorrow. That's right. I forgot about that. Apparently, this could be more related to third party titles, which it could still be interesting depending on what that is. Saw a funny tweet regarding it from uh, you know Uncle Derek of Stop Skeletons. He said he circled. Um, they, they said something like it's going to take place. They had a typo and they put like nine PT or something like that, and <laughs> and he circled the triangle in the in the logo. It was like that's Pyramid Head. They said PT, PT. They bought it. It's coming to the PlayStation. And then someone else replied and they circled the X and it said they bought Xbox. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, let's we'll see. I guess I'll keep an ear out, see what what happens tomorrow. They, um, they, they we the to kind of bring up about the state of play. I think they're finally going to announce their uh, competitor to Game Pass, the the uh, Spartacus or whatever it was called, their project Spartan. Spartan or whatever. They need to formally show off the the new PlayStation VR two as well. Like we know <laughs> what it looks like, but they've never had like a. A reveal trailer they've never been like look how cool this is here's the games it's gonna play that's not gonna be at state of play that's already been confirmed no psvr 2 or vr in general uh that's well, a shame because one of my favorite state of plays ever was the one that focused almost all on vr and i loved it yeah when iron man was announced that was cool uh the uh main thing that also they said is that it's gonna have ps4 and ps5 games so they're still supporting ps4 uh because of the chip shortage and all that stuff makes uh, sense to me yeah so it's it's interesting um i'm not gonna hold my breath but please silent hill please 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 silent hill <laughs> oh, no. is this the um i i I guess it does kind of go with some news, but is with the state of play, is this related to when they're going to make the announcement? I think it was our, last week when they tweeted about a major announcement that was upcoming related to a, a a previously beloved PlayStation title or franchise that would be returning. Yeah, is that, is, is to, about that's come up too. Yeah. I didn't know if that was this like inner. I didn't know if this, this state of play was when they were going to announce it or if it was down the road, but that's that'll be exciting. I, I've seen a lot of um debate on that whether what they're going to talk about someone's mentioned a sly cooper remake infamous remake has come up that's uh, what do you guys want it to be and why do you agree with me that it should be twisted metal that, that's exactly what it should be they should do <laughs> twisted metal they should literally just do twisted metal in the format of a battle royale like this is literally the perfect format Ugh. to do that it, i know it sounds it sounds bad because again i'm not all about PUBG and and uh Fortnite, in fact i mostly despise those types of games I, I just don't enjoy them as much but twisted metal would make so much sense in this type of format i know we've talked about that before a few a few times um, well i'll tell you what it won't be thing. crash bandicoot <laughs> yeah well I, I think you're right that i think that's owned by uh by that other guy with the glasses um he owns some computers no but what would you guys like to see <laughs> Uh, if it's not Silent Hill or, or Metal Gear, um, Resistance. 
Resistance. Uh, yeah. That was one of the ones I was thinking about was Resistance. I really like that setting. Zach, what about you? Zach, I know you're going to have a good one. Legend of Dragoon. That'd be a fun one. Well, um... Medieval? What's that a PlayStation thing? Mm-hmm. They kind of tried to bring it back and it didn't take. Oh, that, that remake was bad. Every master was not very good. Yeah. Parasite Eve remake, please. Ooh, that's a, that's a spicy take. I, I'm all about that. That game was fantastic. He worked on Final Fantasy VII Remake said he would love to do a Parasite Eve remake. If it fucking looked like that and was like fun like that, like, yeah. Print money, baby. Let's go. Zach, before you get back into your news, I'm going to shoot a promo on Sony. If you, if you pull a Tony fucking con and say there's a big major announcement for a game and it's fucking a remake of The Last of Us, go to hell. I'm done. Why would it be remade? It, it's it's, it's going to be remade. It, they already announced that they're making a remake of The Last of Us. Why? I, I mean, I understand why they would think that, but I don't think the phrase beloved PlayStation franchise should apply to that. It's just, I feel like it should be older. It should be PS3 or older. I, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was technically The Last of Us was PS3, but they've already done the remake. Yeah, they did a remaster. That's what I mean. No, I agree. I I, I think something we haven't seen for two generations. I I I throw one out that hasn't been said for sake of of throwing another out uh, that should get some shout outs. Uh, Again, Twisted Metal is my my thing that I would like to see uh, just because I love that that series as as a kid. Jack and Daxter, I think, would be a hot take. Yeah, I wondered about that. that. I wouldn't mind seeing that platformer. I enjoyed the, uh, the the first two iterations of those games as platformers, but siphon um, filter, yeah. Oh, siphon filter is a great, great shout. Yeah, that would be that'd be great. It'd be interesting to see how they they would do that too, because I mean, goodness, the generations we skipped with. with I want to tase the, people yeah. until they burn. Yeah, they need to bring back the taser sniping from the first game if they're going to do that. Yes, I want siphon filter with the, as far as the name, but I want them to basically just like completely just. Uh, all over uh, the fact that they just make the splinter cell that should have been made in this generation instead of the the Ubisoft ham that that should you know that it is because they, they've ruined that series uh, and I, it would just be great to see them say well look, this is how you should have done it and it's just a fantastic type of stealth uh, tactical shooter that'd be fantastic maybe cool. tape escape maybe <laughs> uh Maybe it's a new intelligent cube. Now that I would get excited about. Wow. Tokimeki wow, Mobile Three. <laughs> Let's go. There is there's Tokimeki up to four, isn't there? I don't know. Okay, Tokimeki Memorial is new. It's <laughs> new. Exactly. Well, what? They, they still make them. They just make girls side now. Well, we need boys you side. Date, you gotta date handsome boys. Boy side. High school boys. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, what other, what other news you got? A couple, uh, uh, well, okay, this is also gaming, and this will bridge us into the short wrestling things. Uh, there's reports going around that the relationship between WWE and 2K Sports uh, could be ending soon, because uh, I guess over this, over last year, their relationship became strained. Uh, I guess communication was breaking down between them, and they were getting really pissed off about how many people they were firing. Because it was like fucking up their roster, and it's like news reports have gone around since the game came out, and it's ridiculous. It's like thirty people in this game are no longer in the company anymore. Mm. It's 
Now it makes universe mode more interesting. That's kind of a, a fun byproduct. When well, Dubs was playing it, we were watching. He got uh, what's that guy's name? William Regal, right? Yeah. Now he's on the AW, and now he's he's gone. Yeah. Even I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fresh too. But I was wondering, like, you could basically just have your own version of AEW within the WWE 2K22 game. So many people have been released. Make your um, coach fall, give him max stats so he could beat Triple H in a two out of three falls Hell to Cell <laughs> Iron Man match. <laughs> finally get revenge. Stephanie McMahon on a pole match. Yes. But <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, supposedly they're shopping around and they've been talking to EA. Um, I guess it's really going to depend on how this game does. It will will determine like what's going to happen because they have options to extend their contract. I think so, they, I think they have a good foundation um, with the the the, st- the stuff that they have going on right now, but yeah. I feel like if they go to EA, that's going to be such a step backwards. Because remember how m- me and you, Zach, were like they need to get away from the simulation crap. They need to stop uh, trying to be like a, a sport and kind of make it like a mixture where it's a sport and it's kind of has arcade in it. And right now it, it hits that that mi- mixture of uh, sporty and arcadey and i feel Sport- like yeah <laughs> yeah um but like if i feel if it goes to ea they're just gonna like make it part of like hey we have ufc and then we have serious uh, wwe and i don't want that Th- no. that's my opinion they want well, WWE, they need to make an awa wrestling game so as far as that goes, uh, I know you mentioned before there's like some type of addictive like card based game within the the game like the faction based stuff. Mm-hmm. Are are there like heavy like microtransactions and stuff oh, yeah. in that? It's two K. Okay, I, I assume so, but I mean again that just fits right into the wheelhouse anyway because EA I mean has I mean notorious for that within their their sports franchises between uh, Madden and FIFA. I mean that is and uh, the NBA series uh, live I think is what it is. So. It, to me, it actually would make a lot of sense. And and again, it's one of those deals where I don't think anyone's going to look at that uh, in, in terms of uh, WWE's corporate. They're not going to look at any of this in terms of what's going to be best for, for fan base. I mean, you kind of think about where they've been related to the controversy with the Saudi shows. Um, Peacock, although the Peacock stuff may, you know, end up working out a little better than what the network stuff was, but that's that's still there's time to tell on that. But that all being said, that all happened because they got buku's of money thrown at them to, to buy out those things. So if EA puts up a price point and they come up with a good deal, I, I can see them jumping ship. I, I don't think they're gonna care if it's actually better or worse for them. I don't think they pay too close attention. Like the only thing the only time I think that did happen was with the last game that came out because it got so much bad attention. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that helped matters either. I think that's why they're partially in the spot they're in now. It's like, what the fuck? We told you to make games, not shitty games. <laughs> like, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, they can't do Ukes because Ukes is now doing AEW. So. Real curious how that game is going to turn out. We'll see. Um, but, Bridge to Wrestling, uh, 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 Kevin Owens has been calling out Steve Austin. He's been talking shit about Texas. <laughs> Nobody talks shit about Texas. Well, Today at noon, Stone Cold drove out into the Texas desert in yeah. his his side by side, and he walked out and he said, "Kevin Owens, you pissed me off. I, I got beat one, two, three, 19 years ago after three rock bottoms, and 
I'm gonna I'm fixing to open up a can of whoop ass on you, son. <laughs> and it was instantly a better promo than anybody's cut in that company for like the last ten years. That's the <laughs> bottom line. Stone. So wait, Stone Cold's gonna fight? He's gonna fight Kevin Owens? Is he, that what you said? He's having a conflict. It's not a match. <laughs> as Chaz uh, said before, it's not a conflict. Uh, it's not he's a match. Training exercise on Kevin Owens. What he's gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> training exercise. I want to see that. That sounds cool. <laughs> but, which I mean, how much of that? I think it's debated. I guess that that comes into it. Dave Meltzer effectively reported that uh, Steve Austin official, like formal, formally rejected the idea of doing an official match. So then now the promotion, like uh, the promoting, is now officially saying conflict or confrontation but again as everything is with wwe card is subject to change and that's the way it will be because hear me out man's dementia is getting worse <laughs> like that's just how it is here hear me out uh so stone cold steve austin has a thing about trucks right uh and he loves to spray people with a hose right what if uh, Stone Cold comes out with a truck and out of the hose comes out maple syrup because Kevin Owens is Canadian and he just puts fucking maple syrup all over Kevin Owens? Oh, hose get that fucking syrup to fly at far. You know, Vince, he'd probably like make a, a, a fake version of maple syrup and have like the truck say maple syrup with the Canadian leaf on there. Hey. A. I think you'd have to that or you'd have to have it happen outside of where the actual stadium is because practically speaking uh, actually that would make for one of the more entertaining things to see is they just do that as the first segment and then the entirety of the, the card has to fight in like the aftermath of just the maple Stickiness. syrup nonsense <laughs> yeah just absolutely awful people like flying off the ropes and and like just total botches like uh, that would be hilarious but Definitely not good for the wrestlers. That would be pretty rough. Yeah. Then uh, one last thing. Uh, they've been doing Hall of Fame. Undertaker's going to the Hall of Fame. Vince McMahon's going to induct him, which is bizarre and almost unheard of. And uh, Vader is going in now, too, which it, is cool. It's time. It's time. It's beta time. Yeah. So, um if you want to hear more of wrestling, watch this Thursday, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time on Getting Some Color. It's going to have me, Zach, and Chaz, and not Andy, because Andy hates wrestling. Hate it. Hate it. He despises it. <laughs> um, but we uh, I, I think we're going to end it here, guys. Uh, remember, Tomorrow Never Dies, the red one. Uh, that's not the title of it, but just remember, it's the red, uh, everything red. With Pierce Bronson. Strawberry Bond. Yeah, strawberry. All red everything. Red, all red everything. Uh, if you want to catch more of Big Trouble Podcast, we're on like all of the podcasting. I even found out we're on other podcast feeders that I didn't even know that, that exist. Uh, because they're starting to show up in the stats. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it's there. If you go to your Alexa and say, hey, Alexa, go play a Big Trouble Podcast. I want to hear about GoldenEye. It will pop up and hear my dumb voice on it. Um, I finally did it. It did work. We are on Amazon Music, so it knows. Yes. Um, and awesome. also, um, soon, uh, we're going to be doing a Metal Gear podcast. We haven't ha found the name yet. Um, it's still being workshopped, um, and you'll be hearing about that soon. Me, Zach, and if 
Chaz or Andy ever want to come on again if they like uh, played any of the Resident Evil games, we have the Nemesis Project. Uh, right now, me and Zach are doing Revelations 2 with Barry Burton's daughter and Claire. Um, so, and Barry's a, a bitch, by the way. Yeah, a, a mega bitch. Um, I have a lot of things to say. I'm going I'm to pull a promo on her when we do that episode. We both are, I think. <laughs> um, but until next time, guys, um, I like my martinis shaken, not stirred. Everybody have a good night. Thanks for listening.